Can you hear me okay? We're good? All right, awesome. All right, so thank you for coming out. Hopefully everybody is having a fantastic conference. I know it's 5.30, I know folks are hungry. Um, I appreciate the time. Um, so my name is Carmen Puccio. I'm a principal solutions architect here at Amazon Web Services. Um, I'm joined today with Greg Lind from Verizon, and we're gonna talk a little bit about managing modern infrastructure and enterprises, right? What does it take to essentially look at your IT real estate, whether it's on-prem, uh, multi-account, multi-region, whatever it may be, and how do you kind of drive that information into a centralized pane of glass, right? So the, the topic is, is essentially around infrastructure management, so we're gonna go deep into Systems Manager. Um, we're gonna talk about a lot of the capabilities of Systems Manager, but at a very high level, um, we're gonna kind of go over the, the, the key services inside of Systems Manager, but at the same time, we're gonna deep dive into inventory management and how you can use that to look at the compliance across your organization, right? So when I talk about Systems Manager to customers and when I talk to them about it uh, from the partner level, and to give a little backstory here, I'm part of the AWS mass migration team, right? So for the last two and a half years, I've been trying to help our consulting partners migrate our customers over at scale, right? And a lot of times when we talk to customers, they don't ne know necessarily where to start. Right? They go through this journey of kind of trying things out. It's the typical story where a developer tries to spin up you know, some applications using a credit card, and the next thing you know, it becomes like a popular thing, and they realize that this is a fantastic, you know, the fantastic platform where they can you know, build and scale their applications, but it's, it's more than that, right? It's essentially you're looking at your application portfolio, and you're looking at all of the surrounding pieces. There's all of these constructs that essentially are required to get your applications up and running from a production point of view. Right? And a lot of times when we talk about cloud management challenges, and we talk about the traditional IT uh, uh, tool set, it's not necessarily geared towards the cloud, right? So if you think about like the traditional model, um, you know, maybe again like these, these applications that were managed by these traditional tools, they were, they were done by a, like a per license model based off of a processor, right? And if you think about the immutable nature of the cloud, and you think about the accordion model or the pay-as-you-go light switch model, right? These workloads could be up for a matter of minutes, it could be up for you know, a matter of days, whatever it may be, but you're, you have to accommodate for that scale, right? And you have to accommodate essentially for that workload responding to customer demand. And, and the, the licensing costs and managing the complexity around that is very difficult, right? And at the same time, too, it's, it's very normal as part of a migration journey or even part of just, you know, adopting the cloud as a whole to have multiple accounts, multiple regions, a hybrid connectivity, um, and you want to have this single pane of glass. You don't want to have one set of tools managing your on-premises resources, another set of tools managing your, your, your cloud resources, and trying to tie them all together, right? That's difficult. Your, your ops teams really want to focus on a single thing, looking at a single pane of glass, and it makes it easier for them to actually manage the IT portfolio, but it also allows them to adopt the cloud and kind of work on the more value proposition or value add um, it, it, that helps enable those applications to actually scale to meet customer demand, right? So, one other thing, too, that I wanted to kind of highlight is deploying multiple products, right? When you talk about the traditional organization, a lot of times they have Linux workloads, they have Windows workloads, and, and it's, it's the same story. They have different tools to manage each one. And wouldn't it be great if you had a singular tool to help you know, assist, whether it's like software patches or doing you know, maybe configuration management, something that was you know, a, a single pane of glass that could help manage that portfolio, right? And that's essentially where Systems Manager comes in. So, to go a little bit deeper in the customer challenges, right? The number one thing that we talk about is, is like we want to operate securely and we want to operate at scale. So if you think about these applications kind of you know, responding to customer demand and going up and going down, you want to be able to ensure that whatever's going on inside of your, inside of your IT portfolio, that they're, they're operating in a matter that's secure, meaning you understand who's touching them, what's changed, and you have a way of, of reporting on that, right? So if you think about things like you know, maybe somebody's gone in and they've made a change to the underlying operating system. Maybe they've gone in and they've made a change to an application config file, right? And, you know, if you think about the traditional configuration management solutions, you want to ensure that state has been basically restored, right? Because you know that's what makes your application perform well and that's the desired state of that machine. How do you audit on that? And to compound that problem, if you have systems across multiple regions or across multiple accounts or into your data center, how do you actually visualize that, right? And how do you ensure that you're operating at scale? The other thing right there that I wanted to talk to as well is mapping resources to applications and environments, right? So to, to give a little bit more of a backstory around like how we work inside the mass migration sp space, we have this thing where it's 
you walk into a customer engagement and you want to figure out what that customer has, right? And a lot of times there's, there's thousands of systems and those systems are talking to you know, various different components and they might be talking to things like Active Directory or if you think about it from like an application stack, it might be the application server talking to the backend business intelligence layer, talking to the database layer, right? And when, when you really start looking at that and you start looking at that portfolio, you want to think about that application at that level. It's not just that single web server, it's all its moving parts. And that's how we tackle it from the mass migration space. We drop tools in like our own application discovery service, which actually goes in and it does that mapping for you, right? It tells you that these things are talking over these ports. It tells you that essentially this is what's going on in, at the application level. Because when you want to move and you want to manage those servers, you want to make sure you're accounting for all of the pieces that surround it, right? So when we talk about it from a, from a systems manager perspective, um, it's the exact same thing, right? So you have these applications sitting inside you know, AWS and you wanna make sure that you have the ability through either tagging or resource groups, which we'll talk about in a minute, to visualize these applications as a whole. So not just that web server, all the way down to all of the pieces that are interacting with it, right? Um, when we talk about the, the tools for managing hybrid cloud, Again, there's, there's the customer challenge where maybe they've put a significant amount of time and investment in managing those servers. And maybe we'll use the configuration management um, example again as well. Maybe you've uh, adopted something like Chef or Ansible or PowerShell DSC inside your organization. And that's fantastic, right? If your development teams or your operations team have, have taken on that model and they're starting to manage the resources inside your on-prem um, environment, you want to be able to extend that into the cloud, right? And you don't want to have like another set of tools. So it, the, the cool thing about systems managers, you can take advantage of that and you can marry them up. And we'll talk about that in a minute as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and again, you know, I touched on the, the licensing perspective. And again, I, just to, to reiterate that, as, as servers are going up and down, you really want to make sure that you know, your, your licensing model accounts for it. Right, so think about those workloads that are essentially maybe short-lived. And again, like you know, one of the other areas that I focus on is inside the container team. So I'm part of the AWS Partner Container Team, and it's very normal to have services or applications, you know, run for a matter of minutes, or it could run for a matter of days, or whatever it may be. But you want to make sure that if you have licensing around your application, that it that it can account for that, right, for that dynamic nature of the cloud. And then lastly, the ability to build solutions around uh, business needs. And what we mean by that is. Once you start moving all of your applications over, there's a need by the business to essentially visualize what's going on inside the environment. And it might be you know, usage or it might be from a security perspective, but you wanna be able to show the actual business users what's going on inside the environment at any given time. Right? So if you think about that, what's the easiest way to do that? Is it kind of reaching out to all these various different components, or is it having everything into a centralized place where you can actually pull data and report on? And that's what we're gonna talk about as well. So when we talk about systems manager, we talk about it in three, in three categories, right? So you have the ability to group, you have the ability to visualize, and you have the ability to act. And the grouping part's the most important part. So when I talked about like an application portfolio and all the parts around it, that's how you wanna think. And at the same time, to go a little bit deeper down that wormhole, it's, it's from the development perspective, right? Or it's from the operations perspective or from the QA perspective, meaning environments, right? So once your company has started to adopt like a tagging strategy, you can start thinking about how you can group these things as individual resources per account, per region, per environment, right? So that's how you're gonna th think about it in the systems manager perspective from grouping. And then from there, you have the ability to either visualize or act. And it's, it's super cool because if you think about it from like what I was mentioning before, reporting on things, you know, for instance, like how many systems inside of my machine um, have a security group where SSH is wide open? Systems Manager has the ability to interact with AWS Config, there's integration there, and you can create config rules that can actually report on that, and then you can visualize that right inside of your, inside of Systems Manager. Um, furthermore, you have the ability to act, and when you talk about Systems Manager, whether it's, you know, whether it's patch management or whether it's automation, once you have this, this grouping concept of your applications, you can really start to drive your workloads, right? You can start to make changes to your environment, and you know that it's secure, because you know who's doing it, it's audited, and, it's all, and if you turn this feature on, you can have everything sitting inside of a central bucket just to understand what happened at any given time, right? 
So when we talk about the extensibility of Systems Manager, the hybrid piece is big. This is, this is fantastic for our customers. So when I was talking about you have all of these tools and you kind of want to you know, get away from thinking about one, one set for on-prem, one set for the cloud. Systems Manager has the ability by installing the SSM agent onto your instance or onto your physical machine or onto your virtual machine um, inside your data center, you now have this ability to report across the hybrid mode. And that's super, super powerful, right? Single set of tool to do all of the work. Right? And when you want to talk about compliance, again, I mentioned it before, maybe your teams have adopted things like Ansible or PowerShell, um, DSC or Chef or whatever it may be. You now have the ability to take those tools and integrate those natively with Systems Manager and then again, still get that reporting functionality that you're going to need. Um, we talk about the open source perspective of it. The agent, a lot of times, you know, going back to you know, some of the challenges I've seen inside of the mass migration space, we would walk into these engagements and the customers would basically say, you know, oh, you want to discover my data center? Well, that's great, um, but you have to install an agent on my machine. What does that agent do, right? And that's a, that's a very valid question. Um, this agent for SSM is open source. So you can point your customers to that or you can you know, take a look at that and you can actually open up issues and if you wanted to, you could contribute, right? So it's, it's, it's super powerful that we're giving that visibility into it. The cross-platform piece is awesome as well, right? So if you think about it from that, you know, I have multiple different workloads, Windows, Linux, whatever it may be, you now have this cross-platform support inside your organization and you can use it with either Windows or Linux workloads. Um, and then again, the extensibility, right? And that's what we're gonna talk about, that's what we're gonna demo, right? So one of the things that's very powerful is you have the ability to report on all of these metrics. You know, what's this instance ID, where does it live, so on and so forth. But at the same time, you know, your organization has, has a need to pull in custom inventory. Every application or every environment or every organization usually has something that's unique to them that they wanna report on. And we have the ability to actually collect that data from your EC2 instances or from your on-prem instances and report that back to a single source of truth. And then you can do reports off of it, but you also know that that's stored in a safe and secure location. And that is super, super powerful. So we always highlight our customers and partners. Um, we have some, some, some customers and partners here. Obviously, we're going to talk about Verizon for a little bit, so I just want to talk about it from the partner perspective, right? Think about it if you're a consulting partner, right? Think about if you have all of these playbooks, or think about if you're operating in the, in the context of an MSP, right? Having this kind of power to manage your customers is, is super valuable, right? You think about the, the automation behind it, being able to show your customers that, that everything is in a secure and safe location, like that's a fantastic feature, right? And that's why we have this adoption, and that's why it's a fantastic fantastic product. So we talk about the capabilities, and I'm only going to touch on a couple of them because we're going to showcase them as part of the demo, right? It all starts with the groups. I think I've made that point where you want to think about your applications from a group, and then from there, you go down that visualize or you go down that act, um, you know, path, right? So to kind of call out a couple here, like parameter store, super, super powerful feature, and it's actually integrated with a lot of different AWS services. So when you think about you know, your application and you think about deploying it across environments, you've now come up with a tagging structure. And this application has been released to development, it's been released to QA, and it's been released to prod. Right? But the one thing you want is consistency. You don't want to have multiple AMIs floating around. You want a singular AMI. You want to think about your application being placed into there. And then the things that are unique about that environment are environment variables. Well, where can you store them? You can put them in parameter store. And then on top of that, you can make sure that they're secure because of the integration with KMS. Right? So that way, once you deploy this AMI, you're only managing one. Right? So we're going to talk about AMI pipelines as part of the Verizon part of the talk. But that's something that's super powerful inside of parameter store and the integration with other AWS services. Right? Um, the, the state manager one is one that's important as well. I, re I really, you know, I, I firmly believe that you, you really shouldn't be thinking about your instances. You know, you go down that cattle pets um, discussion, right? If you think about, like, should you be logging into your instances? Should be, you be making changes on the fly? I would argue no. Right? Again, I come from that container space now where essentially you're not logging into your instances. You don't care if it dies two minutes from now or you don't care if it lives for a week. You just want to make sure it's up and you want to make sure it's healthy. State manager, if you think about it from the perspective of EC2 or your on-prem resources, that's what's, that's what's basically going on. So it's your configuration management, it's making sure that your application is healthy. So you would work with your development teams, you would work with your operations teams to basically come up with the playbook or the integration with things like you know, Chef or, or PowerShell DSC to make sure that the state is driven to that machine and it is healthy at all times, right? We also released a new feature just recently, it was called Session Manager, and if you think about it, just to go a little deeper on my argument, right? 
if you do need to go into those boxes, and if you do need to SSH into a box, all right, because not everything is essentially, you know, that, that, that cattle mentality. Maybe you do have a few pets out there. Um, session manager is going to help you because you don't necessarily need to open up SSH, right? You don't have to give keys around. You can actually go through, SS, through Sessions Manager, through IAM, and you can actually log in that way. But the thing that's super cool about that is it's audited, right? So you now have the ability to audit and see who's done what. So think about like Bastion hosts. There was a, there was a blog post not that long ago um, in the Systems Manager blogs um, about how you can eliminate Bastion hosts completely with run command, right? This is one step further. And, that, and to me, this is just a super powerful feature for the people that do need to actually get into those systems, right? So, this is, at a very high level, what we're going to talk about from the Verizon perspective, and then at the same time, this is what we're going to really do our demo around, right? The first thing I want to call out here, and this is something that is, you know, again, it comes from that mass migration space. It's very normal to see this multi-account structure hybrid connectivity model, right? We're starting to become very, very prescriptive on what it looks like to actually deploy your applications into this multi-account model using things like AWS organizations. We recently released Control Tower today, which is a super exciting feature for me because, you know, we built a solution called AWS Landing Zone, which is out there today. It was done for, by our solutions builder team. It's a series of cloud formation templates, and what that does is it's our prescriptive, you know, point of view on what a safe landing zone looks like. And when I say a landing zone, I'm essentially saying, where can I move my applications to? What does this multi-account structure look like? What does my account structure look like for things like shared services, like monitoring and logging? Um, think about it from the security perspective. Where do I want to send all of my data? Where do I want to make sure that it's all coming in regardless of if it's on-prem or whether it's in a different region or if it's in a different account? How can I send it to this singular place that's actually you know, safe and, our, and you know, our security teams can analyze it and then you know, report on it you know, if needed, right? So that's what we're talking about when we're talking about the AWS landing zone solution. And again, control towers just is, is that to the next level, and it's fantastic, right? But we're going to do a demo around essentially this multi-account structure um, feeding data or feeding, you know, um, you know, feeding EC2 instance data into inventory and then reporting on it. And again, you see right there, you can use any BI tool. You can use things like Amazon Athena. You can use Amazon QuickSight. And then Greg's going to talk a little bit about how they did it at Verizon, how they took this challenge and how they dumped all this data into a singular place and how they made sure it was secure and how they reported on it. So with that said, I want to pass it over to Greg and, and let him tell a story. So thanks, Carmen. Yep. Again, my name is Greg Lindy. I'm from Verizon. And I am super excited to be at my very first reInvent and to talk to you about how we implemented Systems Manager Inventory at Verizon. So our group's responsible for software asset management. And uh, I do actually have one of my teammates, Julian Moreau, here with me today. Our portion of the group focuses mostly on software discovery. And software discovery is important for the work that we do in software asset management. It's also important in some of the goals that o Verizon has overall in their migration to AWS, such as app modernization, and a transition from COTS to open source products. And our aspirational tagline for our group is all software, all environments, all the time. So in our on-premise world, we have mature tools and processes, and we do this quite well. And so as Verizon as a whole was migrating to AWS, our team took our existing tools and processes, and we moved them to AWS. We didn't succeed. And there are a few reasons for that, but primarily, it's the way those tools and processes worked or did not work in AWS. Essentially, what we would try to do is first scan all of our EC2 instances to see what was out there, and then pull inventory from them. That just didn't work with the dynamic nature of our AWS environment with instances coming and going sometimes before we even knew they were there, and also with the complexity of our environment. So, we needed to stop and think about how we would do this and how we could make this work because what we had did not work. So we needed to step back and think about how could we go back to the drawing board and make something work for this. So the first thing is that we needed to recognize that the Verizon environment is very complex. We have multiple accounts, multiple regions, and many, many, many business applications running in those accounts over those regions. So we knew we needed to stop and think about what native tools would help us do this. We also had scheduling issues that we needed to worry about. 
we wanted to be able to have some flexibility in how we scheduled our inventory for our non-prod versus our production. We wanted to make sure we had minimal impact to what happened in that environment, yet we were still able to do software inventory. And then finally, pushing versus pulling. I'd mentioned how our existing on-premise tools and processes tried to pull inventory from those EC2 instances and failed. So we needed a fundamentally different approach. We needed to push inventory from those instances rather than pull them. So what were the considerations that we had in mind as we went through this? The first is that we wanted the SSM, excuse me, the systems manager agent to be baked into the AMI. So we wanted that so that it was there and it worked across all of our regions and all of our accounts. Part of the reason for that is that we did not want the spin-up time of those instances to be delayed by the downloading of an agent, the installing of an agent, the configuring of an agent. We wanted it to be there the minute that instance was up and running. We also needed that scheduling for the inventory to be flexible. We knew that our business needs would change. We wanted to be able to change that scheduling without a lot of work. We also wanted to make sure that the agent itself and the policies and rules that governed how it worked were decoupled. We wanted to be able to update those rules and policies, change them as needed, independently of updates for the agent. And I'll get into a little bit of how we update the agent shortly. A very, very important part for us was to make sure that that inventory data that we collected was centralized for one, and then just as important, available to our on-prem processes so that we could grab that data. And I went one too far, let me go back. There we are. And finally, because security is fundamental to all the things that we do at Verizon, we wanted to make sure that that data was encrypted both in transit and at rest. So for our goal, for our team, for software asset management, one of our overarching objectives is to ensure that all software instances are in a managed state. And by that I mean that we know when the software instance is born, any changes to that instance over its lifetime, and what it looks like before it's terminated. We knew also that we wanted everything that we did to be automated. So for us, as we went down this journey, that meant native tools and processes. We wanted everything to just work. We wanted the solution to be scalable. So for us, this meant two different things. The first, and perhaps the most obvious, is that scalable in terms of the volume of data that we would receive. We knew we would have many, many instances of software on many, many, many instances of EC2 running in the environment. We needed to be able to capture and work with all of that data, regardless of how large that number became. And also, it needed to be scalable in terms of the number of accounts and regions. I mentioned that we have a complex environment. Um, it is not static. It is slowly changing over time. And we wanted the solution to continue to work as the environment changed. We wanted this to be self-service. So for our team, that meant that we wanted to be able to define the policies and the functionality required, but we didn't want to write code. We did not have code monkeys in our shop, so we needed to be able to define it and have the tools do the work for us. We wanted the results to be auditable. So I mentioned that our team does software discovery. We want to have a definitive record of every instance of every software product on every EC2 instance ever. So we need that history and we need to be able to keep it. And finally, we wanted the solution to be flexible. So for us, the key here was that we had our existing on-prem processes and tools. We wanted the AWS solution to merge into that so we had a single view of all of our data. So our first step along this journey is to ensure that the systems manager agent is on every single EC2 instance in the Verizon environment. And all of those instances are descended from what we call the golden AMIs. Those golden AMIs are created by a group in Verizon that's responsible for both creating and maintaining them over their lifetime. And they do that in four major stages. The first stage is to gather all the software products and stage them. We do this because we build our AMIs from scratch for both Windows and Linux. The second phase is to build those instances and then push a few additional software products to them that can't be part of the first phase. Now, an interesting thing to note here is that as part of that process, we include any OS changes, any configuration changes, and any security patches. So what that means is that at that point, we should have a fully patched AMI ready for use. 
We then run through a series of scripts and automated processes that do a few things. The first thing they do is to certify that the actual build process completed successfully. The second part is to run some scans to ensure that no security vulnerabilities have been introduced in any of the changes that we have made. And then finally, we test. And so, for example, our team has a few scripts that we run that ensure that the systems manager agent is both installed and collecting inventory. And then finally, we publish this out. And at that point, the business application teams are responsible for rehydrating their EC2 instances from the new Golden Omnis. So what about security? In our complex environment, there are a few wrinkles introduced by that complexity that changed the way we needed to deploy the agent. And we looked at that in two steps. The first step is to ensure that every single instance not only has the agent, but also has an IAM role configured for that agent. So if I have a new application that spins up, we need to make sure that that, that instance has an IAM role for it. Now at Verizon, you are not able to create IAM roles by hand. That's all done through a Jenkins pipeline. So our team had hooks added into that pipeline that included a minimum SSM policy. So as you know, systems manager is incredibly powerful. You can do just about anything with it. Our goal was to collect inventory. So we worked with the systems manager team to take some of the existing SSM policies and whittle them down so that all they could do was collect inventory. And then we added a couple Lambda scripts to make sure things are running properly for us. The first Lambda script is triggered on startup of an instance. It does a number of things for Verizon, such as ensuring tagging is done correctly, all the mandatory tags exist. It also checks to make sure an IAM role is associated with an instance. And then, shut, missed it again. Then we have another Lambda script that periodically scans any running instances to ensure that an IAM role is associated with that. So that makes sure that any instance running out there, no matter how short or long-lived it has, how new it is, has an IAM role with it, with a minimum SSM policy. So the second part is to ensure that when we collect that data, it's safely and securely stored in a central bucket. So what we do here is first have a KMS key just for our inventory process. This KMS key is distinct from the KMS key that every single business application in Verizon has. So what we need to do then is add a policy to that bucket such that only systems manager can write to it with that key, however it can be written to from any account in any region. Then we create a resource data sync through command line. I believe this is now automated as of not very long ago. So some of this work no longer has to be done, which is great news from the systems manager team. But we use the command line to create that for every account and region and specify our inventory KMS key and then associate it. So what do those policies look like? I'll put both of them up here for you. But on the left-hand side, you can see that least privileged policy that allows us to just write that data to that from any account in any region. On the right-hand side is the policy that says, use our KMS key. And I, there's yeah, yeah, we're actually, my mic, here. We're actually gonna demo this, right? So we have a demo around this, but if you think about this, and it's just a perfect example, you guys had multiple accounts. Right? You have all of these accounts spinning up, and you want to be able to, to essentially send this data back to this singular place. So again, would you rather go out and reach out to those accounts and try and pull it, or would you rather actually have it to a central spot? So it's very easy to manage it from the bucket policy perspective. And then at the same time, the thing that you did that we're also going to demo that I think is super powerful as well is that singular KMS key, right? Having that single key that's essentially the authoritative key to make sure that, you know, if you are going to push your inventory data and you want to encrypt it at rest inside the bucket, you have to use this key and we're going to trust it out to each individual account that's, you know, that's publishing data back. So we're going to show this as, as part of the demo, but I think it's just, it's a, it's a great example of how essentially systems manager through inventory can actually drive this data into a singular account and make sure that your workloads are secure and compliant. So. so I've talked a little bit about what our team needs to do and the complexity of our environment and what we had to do to get systems manager out into that environment. So what does that look like? Here's our full architecture. 
And there's some additional complexity in the middle in the storage section that I'll talk about a little more on the next slide. But what this shows is how we can take inventory information through Systems Manager from multiple accounts, multiple regions, multiple business applications in those, safely and securely deliver that to a managed store that we can then extract data from through AthenaDB to our on-premise process. And that allows us to capture all software, all environments, all the time. However, after just a few weeks, we realized that that central bucket was growing larger and larger and larger. And we knew that fairly soon, the size of that bucket would outstrip our on-premises process ability to process it in a timely fashion. So we needed a solution. So naturally, we looked at native AWS tools to make this happen. And here's a view of that. So you can see Systems Manager delivering inventory into that central bucket. We then use an AWS step function. So this is triggered through a CloudWatch event every Thursday evening. What it does is copy the data from that central bucket into a newly created S3 staging week and bucket. We then point our on-premise process, or excuse me, we then point our Athena database to that staging bucket, pull data from Athena. So if we kind of roll back in time to our very first week, Thursday night, that staging week and one bucket is created. We point Athena to it. Our on-premise process pulls data from that, and we're good. The next week, S3 staging week two is created. The following week, staging week three, and so on, and so on, and so on. So what that means is that when our weekly extract process happens from our on-premise systems, that pull time, that extract time, is fairly well understood and known. It's not growing larger and larger geometrically over time. So we're able to continue to do the work that we need. One, and the one last part I left off. So I said that we want to keep all data for all time. We want to be able to go back and see any software instance on any EC2 instance at any point in time. However, our need to actually query that data at any point in time diminishes over time. So what we do then is after 60 days, we archive buckets into Glacier. So it's still there, but near out for us. Let's have a look at some of the inventory that we capture. On the left-hand side, you can see Linux data. Now, Systems Manager provides that to us through Package Manager. On the Windows side, we get that through Add Remove Program. And that capability is very, very good. It gives us almost all that we need. But on the Linux side, as you know, Package Manager is not the only way that software gets installed in an environment. And if that doesn't happen, there is no Package Manager entry for us to query to get that data. Fortunately, Systems Manager provides an ability, as Carmen mentioned before, through custom inventory to get that data for us. And I'll show a little bit more of that on the next slide. On the right-hand side, you can see some information that is provided natively by Systems Manager. In this case, CPU information. So you can see things about cores and so on. For us, one bit that they added for us but is part of the normal product is the ability to detect hyper-threading on a core. And so for us, from a software asset management perspective, that's extremely valuable. Again, it comes out of the box with Systems Manager for us. So let's have a look at custom inventory. Here's an example of a Linux script run through custom inventory that captures additional data for us. So the beauty of this is that Systems Manager delivers this data to our central bucket along with everything else. There's no extra work that we need to do to capture this data and place it securely in our store. And here's an example of some of that data. And you can see here that this is capturing file path data. So for us on the Linux side, we heavily use this feature. So we get the file path data. Our on-premise process pulls this in and normalizes it and allows us to explicitly identify that software product, which we would not have been able to do without custom inventory. So what are our lessons learned and next steps in Verizon's journey with Systems Manager? The first lesson that we learned was to not blindly apply your on-premise tools and processes. Um, they, they did not work for us. Going with native tools was absolutely the right thing to do. Um, and working with the Systems Management team, 
was a key to us. We worked very, very closely with them to point out to them what the product did not do that we needed to do. If you went to the keynote this morning, you heard uh, the, the discussion about listening to the customer. They very much listened to us as a customer um, and were extremely responsive, adding in the features that we needed. As a matter of fact, if you look on the inventory tab in Systems Manager, a lot of the features there are things that we helped them define in terms of requirements for what we needed. And one of the big ones was the S3 sync, which allowed us to push data to that central bucket almost magically for us. And that was a, a thing without which we would have failed. If we had had to go to each individual account and region to pull data from a bucket there, we, we would not have been able to succeed. So those are some of the lessons learned. Next steps for us is to go back and continue to work with the systems manager team to capture one final inventory just before an instance is terminated to make sure we know exactly what was living on that, on that EC2 instance before it finally mm -hmm. was terminated. Uh, and then we're going to work with them to expand what inventory can do uh, to other AWS services. And the first service that we're going to tackle with them is RDS so that our group can do a little bit deeper inspection of RDS and what those databases are doing, what options are there, so that we can use that for our software asset management thing. I did mention our team earlier. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't do a quick shout out to our team members. Uh, it was a big team effort. It was a lot of work. It was a lot of fun. Um, we had a great time. Um, and uh, so thanks, team, for all the work that we did. And I'm going to turn it back over to Carmen for the demo. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, cool. So, so what we're going to do here, and let me just switch over. Um, we're going to essentially show that if you think about that high-level diagram with the multi-account, multi-region, right? And did it click? It's thinking about it. It's not doing it. Nope. There we, there we go. All right, cool. So if you think about that visualization I had before, um, again, it's very normal to have, in, just like in Verizon's example, you have all of this data and you have all of these applications spinning up you know, in various different regions and you want to be able to bring that back to a centralized spot, right? We're going to showcase that. And we're going to use things like Athena and we're going to use things like QuickSight and we're going to use custom inventory to actually show you how you can take that data and visualize it and report it out to your operations teams or your business teams or your finance teams, whoever it may be, right? You now have the ability to pull that data in and, and show to your, to your customers and to, you know, essentially your internal teams what's going on at any given time at any point in time, right? And I think that's, that's fantastic. So as part of the demo, I really wanted to use some of the stuff that Verizon did because, you know, I think it's much more fun to do customer examples. But again, their data is their data, so we had to do something else. So did anybody do game day today? Game day was today. Hopefully somebody tried it out. All right, if you didn't try, oh, we got one. All right, perfect. So if you, next year, try game day. If you guys want to learn, like, essentially how to play with AWS services and just collaborate with various different team members, game day is a fantastic opportunity to do that, right? And if you've been in game day, you know how, you know, fond we are of unicorns. So the custom data that we're going to do is around unicorns. It's very near and dear to us from the AWS SA perspective. Um, so that's going to be our custom data. So if you think about all of these instances coming online in these various different accounts, we're going to drive custom inventory into each one, and it's going to be centralized around this unicorn theme, right? So let's get started. <clears throat> so the first thing that you need to do, right, the first thing you need to do is you need this key, that centralized key that Greg was talking about. That's, that's, that's imperative, right? You want one key and you want to trust it out. And you can see what I'm doing here is essentially I'm taking this key and I'm trusting it to various different accounts. But the other thing that I'm doing, and I'm going to hit pause here while it goes, um, I'm, I'm essentially saying I'm allowing the principle of SSM to use this key, right? So this key is not only shared out with the various different accounts to encrypt and put data, um, but it's also going to have the ability to trust it with the SSM service as well, right? So once you've created this key, you can now then start to think about how am I going to get this data into the bucket? So as Greg was talking about a couple of minutes ago, and as we showcased in that, in that, in that visualization, there's a singular S3 bucket, and that's where you want to think about your bucket policy. So when it comes down to the bucket policy, and you can see it here, um, we're basically saying, okay, we have, in this case, it's simplistic, we have two accounts, right? We have account A, which is our master security account, and we have account B, and I know it's a little tough to see, but we're basically saying, let's give those accounts the ability to push or put objects into it. 
And then at the same time, let's make sure that that SSM key and that, that, that KMS key is also allowed to be used as well, right? So what we're gonna do here, and I'm gonna pause it, is create that resource data sync. So for every account that's essentially gonna push data into your centralized bucket, you're gonna create this resource data sync. And what you're seeing here is you're seeing this S3 destination, and in my case, it's this centralized SSM bucket, and it's in US East 1. All right, and we're, we're defining a couple of various different things in there, but the key thing to call out is there's that KMS key again, right? So for every single account that you've now trusted, you would create this resource data sync to place content in, right? So I'm gonna click create on this, and it's gonna go. And then just do a simple query just to show that it's been, that it's been created. All right, so now we have this centralized, this, this centralized, you know, setup, right? Everything's starting to feed data in, and over time, right, this this information is going to start to flow in into your bucket, right? The key thing to call out here is again that IAM role, very very important, right? So we now, and I'm going to pause this. So we now have the ability to dump all of this data into the bucket, but the one thing that needs to happen is you need, you need to have the SSM agent on the box and you need the IAM permissions around it, right? So we do something super useful for our customers where all Amazon Linux and Ubuntu and Windows images already have the SSM agent installed on it. So you don't necessarily need to think about how I'm gonna get the agent onto the machine, it's there for you. You need to think about the IAM permissions. There's a pre-configured IAM role, you would attach it to your instance, and then from there, if you've done the previous step that we just did before, you're now flowing data in, right? You're going into this centralized bucket. And what you're seeing here is essentially the defaults, right? So we have things around instance information, we have things around network, so on and so forth. And what's super cool about this, and if you think about it from a data structure point of view, um, it's consistent. It's by account ID, and it's by region. And then the, the other thing that you're gonna see here as well is you're gonna see all of your instances. And each instance, if I take a look at it, the thing I'm highlighting right there is that KMS key. So that data is encrypted. So all the information that's flowing from that instance, whether it's account A or account B in this case, is encrypted using that centralized key via that resource data sync, via the SSM agent and the IAM rule. The other thing I want to talk about here, and again, to go down this unicorn theme, okay, it's like we have this custom data that we have to push out to our, to our, to our servers, right? Because our business cares about this. And in this example, you know, our business cares about unicorns, right? So what does this custom schema look like? So essentially, it's a simple JSON document, and it's up to you to define, right? So in our case, we're basically saying the type is custom installed unicorn, right? It has things like animal, installed time, vendor, and you know, from the game day theme again, it's the unicorn rentals, and so on and so forth, right? You're gonna put this JSON file onto your instance, and I'll show you the, the, the location in a second. But you have a centralized spot for Windows and Linux instances where you would drop these JSON files, and then once the SSM agent picks that up, it will publish that schema. Right? And then what'll happen is, is you'll also start to get that data into S3 with that type name. Right? So you can see here we have a various different, uh, you know, a bunch of different documents. In this case, it's this brown-eyed buttons one, right? And that's because that's that's the actual name of that particular unicorn. Right? So what's happening is, is what we need to do is we need to now publish that. So like I mentioned before, like how do I get it onto the instance? You have all kinds of different ways to do that. Right? You could use the systems manager service itself. In this case, I'm gonna pause this again, I'm using simple user data script. Right? So when you spin up an instance inside of EC2, you attach the user, user data script to it, and it's basically just gonna bootstrap that instance. And in this case, you can see it right here. It's dropping it into var, lib, Amazon, SSM, instance ID, and if I scroll over a little bit, oops, sorry, I'll go back. <clears throat> it's because it's a video I can't scroll over. Varlib, SSM, instance ID, and then the name of the actual file, right? And what's gonna happen from there is then now it's gonna start reporting because it's gonna pick up that, that the file exists, right? So again, you could do this with user data, you could do this with your launch configurations, and there you go, I scroll for you. But you could do this with your launch configurations inside of an autoscale group, if you were using something like maybe Opsworks, whatever it may be, you could actually get this data into this location, right? When we talk about Athena, right, it's very important to think about the schema as well. Right? So what you're seeing here, and this is straight from our documentation, if you want to follow along, this is actually up on our public documentation. You need to define these tables inside of Athena, right? Because again, you want to start querying this. All this data sits inside of an S3 bucket, and you essentially want to start pulling it out with something like Athena. And what I want to pause on right here is essentially think about that schema that was sitting inside those JSON documents, right? And then think about the Athena tables, right? You're going to create these Athena tables to match that schema that you defined inside 
inside those JSON documents that sit inside of SSM. It's the exact same things. So resource ID is actually the instance ID. You have the same things though now. You have animal, you have install time, you have vendor, so on and so forth. So you would then go run these scripts to create these tables and partition them inside of Amazon Athena, right? And, we'll, and I'm gonna do this in a second. I just wanted to kind of give you the high level overview on how the two of them essentially marry, right? Because Athena is gonna query from that S3 bucket. So what we're gonna do now is essentially we're gonna just verify that the schema exists. And just like I said before, once you place that JSON file on the instance, it now creates that, that schema up in the SSM space. And then at the same time, now, now your instance should start reporting this data back, right? So you've driven that custom data onto the instance. How do you, how do you go look at it? Right? We've got that Athena table that I was showing you how to create. At the same time, it's sitting inside the bucket. It's in the exact same structure. It's by account ID. It's by region. It's still encrypted by the instance information. Everything's exactly the same, right? But now you have this custom data. But now you want to visualize it. So there's all kinds of ways to do it, right? So the thing that I was talking about at Athena, super straightforward. You now see right down there, you have that custom installed unicorn. There's all of those various different you know, properties, whether again it's vendor or name or whatever it may be. You could query it here, your DBAs could look at it. At the same time, something that's super cool is you can actually look at it right inside the systems manager UI if you wanted to. Take a look over here, you, inventory. You can now take a look at, for instance, the custom inv inventory for custom installed unicorn, and maybe you want to look at how many of the machines had this female, or had, had a type of female, right? Right there you get it. You get the things of ground operating system, you get the instance information, you get the services that are installed, everything that's unique and popular about you know, the various different pieces that hit you know, the female custom type, right? At the same time, you can go a little bit deeper. You can visualize it inside of Athena. Maybe your DBAs want to look at it or maybe you want to build an external process like you were talking about before and you can query it here. Um, the one thing that I'd like to call out that was super cool is we just recently released the ability to actually drive all of this data. You can actually create a crawler through Glue, and Glue will actually crawl your bucket for you, and you can actually visualize all of this inside of a singular um, systems manager UI as well. Right? So I'm going to pause this again, and I just want to talk about the quick sight aspect of it. Right? So one of the cool things that you could do, again, it's great that your DBAs have access to Athena, and it's great that your operations teams have the ability to go into the systems manager UI, but you probably have business users that want to look at this data too. Right? So QuickSight can come into play. At the same time, you can use other business intelligence tools, but QuickSight, because again, it's that native offering, you can sit there and it easily integrates. So what we're gonna do is we're basically saying, here's the QuickSight service, and we're gonna essentially give them the ability to use that KMS key and decrypt this data. Right? So I'm, grant, I'm creating that grant on that KMS key for, for QuickSight. Right? And what's gonna happen is, is now I'm gonna go in and essentially I'm going to visualize this data. And you're gonna say, well, okay, well how do I do that? The, you need to go in and you need to essentially work with your data set. Right? So if you think about the data set itself, you have it in two locations. You have it in S3, you have it inside of Athena, um, but we're gonna work with it in Athena, right? So I'm gonna pause right here. So what this data set is essentially doing is it's pointing at our Athena table, right? And then at the same time, you have the ability to schedule um, how often it pulls, right? So if you think about it, it works off of a cron, uh, like basically like a cron pattern, um, and you can schedule the, you know, the time that you wanna pull it. You can obviously do a refresh now, um, and let's take a look at the, uh, the data set itself, right? Super straightforward. So if we go down here and we take a look at it, the first thing you're gonna see is you're gonna see that you have this instance information, and then you see over there on the left, you have the custom installed unicorn. But what we're basically doing is we're doing a left join. So for every time we see instance information, we see the instance ID, and we see inside our custom um, unicorn table, we see the resource ID, that's what we're doing the join on, right? And then from there, that allows us to build a visualization. Right, so now we're querying that table, we have this data set, and now we can build these UIs, and we can build these reports for our teams, right? So in this example now, here's our report that's querying Athena, showing all of the information about our custom data over time. Again, this is completely flexible, you can do it you know, whatever way you want. In this case, we're showing all of the instances that have custom data, all of the ones that don't, and at the same time, you can go in here and filter it. So like, if you think about it, maybe you wanna go in and again, you, know, you wanna see what's the most popular one on your machine. So like, what's the most popular unicorn by name, right? So you go right in here and you go and you, uh, you set these filters, and then once you've set it and you hit apply, you, and it's gonna do it in a second. Let's see which one it is. It's this brown-eyed button one, because I know, because I built this. <laughs> 
and there it goes. But the cool thing about this is it does show it across the counts. So again, it's querying that table. You can now visualize it across the counts. You can see all the instances over time, and you have the ability to pull this data. Right? And it's super powerful. And if you think about it even further, you can send it out to your teams, right? They want emailed reports. You have this integration with QuickSight today. You can go in and you can schedule these reports. In this case, I'm just doing a simple little test and it goes into my email client, right? And now you have the ability to visualize it. So if you think about the journey, if you think about how we drove that custom data from the point of instance creation, you know, making sure that the IAM role was on that machine, pushing it into that centralized bucket, making sure it was encrypted, dumping it into something like Amazon Athena, and then visualizing it inside of QuickSight, that's fantastic, it's super powerful. You now understand what's going on across your whole organization. And when I say whole organization, again, it's multi-account, it's multi-region, or it's on-prem, right? And that's, that's, that's super, super powerful. So with that said, I'm gonna go back to the, uh, the initial screen here. Maybe it's this one. Can we go back to the slides? There we go, thank you. It's not advancing. No. It's not advancing. All right, so what the next slide does, and I'm just gonna talk about this really quickly while we figure out why this isn't going. So. There's some other things that essentially we wanna highlight as part of the systems manager service. The, the very first thing is the compliance factor. So if you have regulatory needs, whether they're HIPAA or whether it's SOC compliance, the systems manager does work inside that space. At the same time too, it's available in all regions and you can actually use it inside of things like GovCloud as well. Um, the integration with things like CloudTrail is super, super important. So when you wanna think about the regulatory compliance needs and the auditing inside your environment, the native, in, native integration with things like Config and CloudTrail are super, super powerful with the systems manager service, right? Um, again, you know, when it comes to installing that agent, think about it again. You might build your own AMIs just like Verizon did, um, and that's fantastic. But you know, you, you know, when you start with an Amazon Linux AMI or you start with a Windows AMI or you start with an Ubuntu AMI that's provided by AWS, it's already there. So you don't need to necessarily do the work around that. You need to think about the role itself. Um, so with that said, the only other slides that were there were related breakouts. Um, if you wanna see these slides, they're gonna be up on SlideShare in a little bit, and at the same time, this session's gonna be up on YouTube. Um, so with that said, I wanna pre you know, thank you for your time. I know it was late, it was late in the evening and it's dinner time. Um, I appreciate you coming out. Sorry for the little, uh, the little glitch at the end of the demo, but uh, I hope you enjoy the conference, and thanks again, and thanks to Greg. Yeah, thanks, Tom.